Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VTW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Welcome back to Screen Heroes. My name is Ray, and I am one of your regular hosts, of course, and that's because we are sponsored by Activia. We're all regular. Derek's right. so mad at me. I just love don't to give, fuck this give, up. Don't get free advertising <laughs> away. Jeez. Uh, truth be told, I've never had Activia in my life. I'm just regular because I'm under 50. So, so you don't trust Jamie Lee Curtis, then? No, I trust her. When I'm 50, I'll start drinking it. Okay. Um. Anyway, these are my other two hosts. They're Hello. very handsome, knowledgeable men, and we're going to discuss Captain Marvel tonight. This is Ryan. Hi. And this is Derek. Yo. And we talk every week together about comic Stuff. books and movies and superheroes and fantasy. And, and yogurt. And yogurt. Lots, yeah, yeah. lots of yogurt. This like Terry. Our, Terry yeah. loves yogurt. He's our dream guest. Terry, Terry loves <laughs> oh my yogurt. god, yes. <laughs> please. Terry Cruz, if you accidentally listen to this podcast for some reason, we would just love to talk to you. Please. Like so, it doesn't have to be on camera. Just reach out to us yeah. at Screen Heroes Pod on Twitter. We love you. Let's just game with game with him. You know? That's yeah. fine. Yeah, you don't even I will the game show. for one day <laughs> right. to do I this. will buy you yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> Activia. All the, all the activity you can eat. Whatever yogurt he wants. <laughs> Terry gets whatever yogurt he wants. <laughs> That's what right. your Patreon money is going towards. Terry's yogurt. He's right. Um. All right. So uh, this episode, 153, we're reviewing Captain Marvel, which uh, was released to the masses on Thursday. We all got to see it over the weekend. So hopefully we have some good stuff to say. We usually have stuff to say i don't know if it's good but we usually have stuff well, there's so, plenty of stuff yeah there's a lot of stuff to unpack here but first is always news guys want to talk news sure what do you got well the aladdin trailer dropped today it's a first Another full aladdin trailer trailer. there's been two small like snippets so far see don't but forget this is like the first like three minute trailer that we've gotten this is the first trailer we've had teasers yes, which are sir. not trailers and then we've had Listen to every episode to hear Derek explain the difference between a teaser and a trailer. It's in every episode. <laughs> so, saw more of the characters and the film. Yes. We got to see a lot. Uh, just about every character was shown. They, they got some camera time and most of them got to speak a bit, too. Mm-hmm. Um, we got two glimpses of songs. A friend like 
Friend like me. Friend like me. Sorry, uh, for some reason I can started confusing that with you've got a friend in me and both Disney. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's the problem. The Disney just meshes together in my head. And easily but... both could have been written by Danny Elfman. So. <laughs> Neither of them were, though. <laughs> and uh, A Whole New World, and apparently Naomi Scott has, like, a good singing voice on her. That was surprising. She can belt. That's awesome. I'm super yeah. excited. She sings better than the actress that originally sang for Jasmine, which is really hard to do to, you know, be better than it. Emma Watson surely didn't do that. Paige O'Hara was insanely good. And yeah. Emma Watson was, you know, auto-tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Not by um, much, but you know. <laughs> I'm really stoked because Aladdin is my favorite of the classic animated Disney films. So I've been really looking forward to them doing a live action version of it to begin with. Bringing in Will Smith, of course, for those who listen, know that's a big deal for me. And so now that I know that they're actually going to sing and they really can sing is just icing on that cake. I'm so stoked. I'm really happy that they put more work into the CGI. We all kind of expected that the rendering in the last teaser wasn't the final rendering, but we were all still pretty disappointed in it. It was not good. So they did much better. His body was in proportion this time. Uh, (laughs) It was all the same shade of blue across. It wasn't like various. To be fair, they didn't really show his body like in the same front shots as they did in that teaser. So it's kind of a hard comparison because you're seeing it like from up from below Mm -hmm. looking up. Uh, and then you're seeing him, like, moving all over the place, so you don't really get a clear image of it. But from what you can see, it did look better. I'm obviously not as big of a Disney fan as you guys are. I've seen Aladdin, and I remember Aladdin from my childhood. And it, this looks better to me than the teasers did in this yeah. trailer, but it's still, you know, it's fine. I'll let you guys go see it. And Thanks. <laughs> we appreciate that. I'm going to contact Marcy now and make sure that uh, we all go out together. Mm. No? Okay. No. You guys can go with Marcy. <laughs> yes. Well, this is actually, so, like, once or twice a year, my little brother will ask to see a movie with me, because he's not a big movie guy, and, uh, I mean, he's the, he's the kind of person who fell asleep opening night of The Force Awakens, like, in the theater. To be fair, we've seen about one movie a year with him, right. and he falls asleep in all of them. It doesn't right. matter what time of day we go. Star Wars is just very loud. That's all. Like, like the movie, don't like the movie. It's very and loud. And lots of blinky, flashy lights. Yeah. yeah. So, like, falling asleep is just, I feel like that's got to be difficult to do in a Star Wars film. Not difficult to do in Wrinkle in Time, though. <laughs> oh, I'll God. Say that much. Very easy. <laughs> Even oh, though it man. also was bright and colorful. Yeah. Not as loud. Not as fast-paced. Uh, but anyway, he wants to see Aladdin, which which is interesting. That really caught me off guard, so I'm, I'm hoping that I'll be able to make that happen. But uh, yeah, I'm actually I don't think he'll that Will Smith will be blue for much of the movie. Probably not. I really I'm don't. Sure. I think so. it's going to be about a half and half. To be honest, I really? think the most we're going to get is about the, half. The we've film. actually seen more of him in blue than we have in normal yeah. skin tone in the trailers, which makes me think that he's probably blue more than you think, but. We'll see. Yeah. But that's because most of what the trailer shows is around the same part of the film, though, right? In the cave and just after the cave. No, I feel like there's going to be a lot of scenarios that they could put him in where he is not blue. But, you know, the ones that come to mind are the ones that were in the animated one, too, like Prince Ali Mm -hmm. and then the uh, merchant at the beginning. So, you know. uh, Do you think they're going to do that? Oh, yeah. I do. <laughs> I feel like that would be a missed opportunity if they didn't let Will just improv and oh, open the show. That would be great. And I he better that. sing. 
I'd love that so much. The the opening song. I'm so excited about this movie. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. See, here's the thing. For the longest time, Disney has had so many films that I'm not usually excited about every single one. But each one this year, even the Star Wars and Marvel ones, are I'm just super excited for every single one. Frozen 2, Mistress of Evil, like... It's all, it all looks good from what I've seen. So it's a good year to be a Disney fan. Absolutely. What else we got in the news? Shazam Gate. Shazam Gate. I'm even wearing the shirt tonight. We're only like three or three weeks away from release, something like that. We're closing in. Yeah. Um, And And your dick gets harder every week when (laughs) we talk about it. No (laughs) comment. But they are doing press screenings really early. They are. Which is good. As, I mean, that bodes well for the film because usually if, if the studio knows a film is bad, then they wait until like the week of. What yeah. film that we went and saw something that Justice was like League, a, right? Was it Justice League or right. Batman v Superman? Well, B- BVS, so it depends on the size of the film, but the, some of the larger blockbusters will do multiple weeks leading up to the film. So for BVS, we saw an early screening of it the, the week it was coming out, but there had already been screenings. Okay. Um, but you're right. When, when, a, when a studio knows a movie is not very good, then you tend to not see pre-screenings. Right. And <laughs> this one where, you know, three, I think this was almost last week when maybe we started hearing about it. So four weeks yeah. out and they're already doing press screenings and the press screenings are, uh, the, the buzz for it is very good. Yes. Very Absolutely. positive, vibrant, uh, fun movie is what the, what the general consensus was, which is, if you've seen the trailers, you guys have, obviously. Yeah. That's pretty much what you get from the trailers, is that kind of a vibe, so. People are comparing the jokes to uh, Big and um, Goonies, and I absolutely love those two movies. Great 80s films, so I I think it, this is right up my alley, even if it wasn't beforehand. Hearing uh, my favorite critics that I trust... Uh, Say these things makes me feel good about the film. I think the the most exciting thing for a DC fan, right? Like obviously, I'm more of a hybrid fan. Derek is hardcore DC, and you're a hardcore Marvel. But it's true. Um, I think right now in film, all the kids are really into Marvel movies, right? Because it's huge. It's those are the movies that everybody wants to go see. Well, now this is targeted towards kids, so they're going to get an introduction to the DC universe. They probably didn't go see Batman v Superman. Maybe. Maybe they did. Justice League, maybe they saw. The thing is, even if they went to go see it because they like the characters, because they're familiar with them from iconography and other shows, other incarnations, there's no way they were able to follow and grasp those things. I mean, it took me a second or third viewing of BBS to fully get everything that was shoved into that movie. So Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and Shazam are definitely more appealing to children. Because the stories are streamlined, there's less to follow. And this and one specifically is a kid. Right. right. So I mean, there's more flashy more action stuff that's fun to follow. It's I, even just a tone thing, right? Mayor yeah. Steel and BVS are just more directed towards adults anyway. Good for better or for worse, not, not a quality statement, but they're just, that's what they are. They're focused towards the adult audience. And yeah. Shazam, I mean, you, we, I guess we could argue about Wonder Woman and Aquaman for that perspective, but Shazam is clearly marketed towards a younger audience. Yeah. Um, which... You know, it's good. I will be curious to see what rating it ends up with. That's probably going to be PG-13, because that's just kind of the staple of superhero films now. But I guess if they really want that childhood demographic, they could push for a PG. But that would surprise me. Um, I can't wait to see what the actual box office is for opening weekend to compare it to something like Aquaman or Wonder Woman. You know, a mm-hmm. more mainstream. I guess Aquaman isn't. I don't know. Aquaman's probably more mainstream than, you know, Captain Marvel or Shazam. 
know. Yeah, yes, definitely. Yes. I think so, more people know. Well, because Aquaman's he's a founding member of the Justice League. He's been in a million cartoons and other films. The problem is that with Aquaman, people before Momoa still associated him with Super Friends. And, That's true. You know, it, the <laughs> problem is our parents, their parents, they kind of just associated him as this goofy guy who talks to fish. So Momoa made him a real big badass. And since I've been reading Aquaman comics for years and I've known he was a badass, I'm really thankful for this interpretation. It's it's good to see your, your character get some redemption. And, you know, on the flip side with Shazam, this is like our first introduction to him on uh, screen and in popular media. Of course, he's had a few appearances in a few of the TV shows and the movies, but like nothing this forefront and real and well, so I mean, he did have a tv I, show at one point but that was, was a long of, time ago <laughs> oh my god that was so long it was ago, something yeah. special that's for sure no but yeah audience it's not the love like the wonder it. woman show uh, or, right. even, or even the incredible Hulk. or even swamp Thing. Yeah. right exactly yeah. um but you know the spacing is good at least right we have captain marvel out now basically a month later we get shazam and then almost a month later is endgame so there's a good mm-hmm. break between them which isn't super overwhelming for people. And if you follow Brie Larson or Zachary Levi or both on Twitter or Instagram, they talk to each other back and forth about them both being Captain Marvels. And it's really cute. Like they have a really good exchange and they support each other. So (laughs) I saw one that was one meme that somebody shared that was, uh, you know, the the meme with the guy looking at the girl while his girlfriend's on the side. Oh Oh, yeah. And what this was the one in the front was Shazam with like drinking the, the soda. And then it was Captain Marvel with like a fanboy, you know, looking oh. over at Captain Marvel while with Captain Marvel. That's perfect. It was hilarious. I laughed so hard. I love that stuff. They have a really good relationship on, yeah. online. It's pretty great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, these are fun films. It's a good opportunity for maybe the fandom to be a little more friendly to each other. Yeah. You know, for a little bit at least. So it's true. What else we got? Uh, so they announced that the What If series that Marvel has done for years, ever since the 60s. Um, is going to be put on the Disney Plus. I am really hoping this is going to be animated because some of those stories were just straight up Didn't they weird. say it was animated? I didn't know. I actually didn't read any of the official articles. I okay. just saw the headline. I'm pretty sure I read it and they said it was animated. Because I love they, that they idea. They said people were lending voice voices and it was okay. easier to tell the stories that way because they, they could get the actors in to do it. I think that's great. I think some of these are really cool. The What If started by... Uh, you know, just fans sitting around and saying, but what if this happened? And mailing it off to Stan Lee, and then it it turned into being fodder. Like, when they didn't have an issue ready, they would do a what if instead. And so it it got to be really unique. And things like, what if Spider-Man was part of the Fantastic Four? And what if uh, Cap never went down in the ocean and froze? Mm-hmm. Like... So, I think that pretty if, neat stories. If they watched the episode last week where we pitched our Marvel series, I did one kind of based on Marvel 1602, I think. Yeah. And I think that was kind of a, one of their what if series or something they could go into something like yeah. that, you know, and I think the prospect of that is really cool. So, I'd be in. Although, I don't know if I'm going to subscribe to Disney Plus yet. We'll see. Well, well Disney Plus also re- uh, revealed that every single movie in their library and their vault is coming out on it. So I think I'm going to have to. It is guys, for yeah. us because um, it does it does ask a kind of an interesting question of like, you know, 
do I need to buy another Disney movie ever again in physical format like you see behind us here. It feels like but, only if I want the special edition. If I want the behind the scenes, the uh, extras, then yeah, I'm going to have to buy the physical media. But if I don't... I'll just get your guys' login. And there you that. go. It's not how I roll, Ryan. You'll have to come to the house and watch with us. Nope. I'll yeah. bake you... Blueberry muffins. Mm, depends what we're watching. Mm. <laughs> you, you, you know, You're going to watch Snow White you know. in your jammies next to me Negative. like a good friend does. That's not happening. Uh, so for this for this what if thing, this is an interesting opportunity. And you know, uh, this is wishful thinking, you know, but there was a time where there would be crossovers I knew between you were going DC there. and Marvel. That was a thing. That happens. That, yeah, um, they did one in the 70s. They did one in the 90s. And uh, they did one, I don't know, 70s, 80s, and 90s. It, it was like an every 10-year thing for 30 years. It could be really cool for them to do what-ifs and those types of crossovers, right? You know, what if Spider-Man was on the Justice League? Or what if Batman was in... But we don't know that it, because it's going to be animated and because these are going to be one-off anthology things, making a deal for a character in a episode, an episode is possible right if we're going down that route then my my ideal would be that dc universe and disney plus collaborate on an amalgam comic thing that storyline was a lot of fun it pitted like the first six seven issues pitted the uh most comparable characters against each other for a big fight the incredible hulk no, Superman him. fought there the Incredible Hulk. There was one where Hulk. Batman fought the Incredible Hulk and beat him. And That's... right then I was like, these crossovers no. are dumb. Superman <laughs> fought them. Uh, Storm fought Thor. Aquaman fought Namor. Quicksilver versus Flash, obviously. I read Jubilee some versus, versus Robin versus... for some reason. And Robin beat Jubilee. Like, just explode his head off. What are you doing, girl? You have firepower in your hands. Which Robin was it? Do you remember? It was uh, Dick. Okay. That's... Okay. I was going to guess Tim Drake. I don't know. Well, anyway, <laughs> like, like I said, it's wishful thinking. Because I would have been okay with her exploding his head off. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's wishful thinking, but because they're one-offs, they're, you know, being able to license that is a lot more likely than, like, a film or it a would TV be show or something like that. So, yeah. I wish they would do that now. You know, we see more and more of the companies just want peace and everybody to enjoy stuff. And, you know, doing a crossover would do that now. It, it would. It would. It would be fun because I. I don't. It's more likely to see a Star Wars crossover than it is to see a DC crossover. That would be well, fun too. Maybe the rumors are that that Disney is being a lot more strict with Star Wars IP than anything else that they currently own. They don't own for whatever Warner reason. What? They don't own Warner Brothers, so I mean they're not going to be more strict with Star Wars than they are with somebody else's property. You think well, Warner no, no, Brothers? No, is sorry, just what license? I mean is I don't. I don't see Disney wanting to cross Star Wars over with any of their other IP because I don't think they feel it fits. The DC thing has happened. There's precedent for it. They are superheroes. They actually exist in the same multiverse. That's a thing. That's real, right? So that's in canon in both universes. Um, So it's not out of the realm of possibility. I would be much more surprised at a Star Wars crossover. We'll see, I guess. All right, let's move on. Okay, so honestly... That's all I have for news. If you guys okay. have other Batman things. Batman versus Ninja yeah, Turtles. Yeah, there you go. Speaking of crossovers. I knew you wanted to talk about that. Tubular. Yeah. 
Uh, they did the comic books. IDW mm. did the comic books a while back, but now they're doing an animated. I think maybe we talked about it a few weeks ago. They're doing an animated movie. Out of um, all the te- uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle crossovers, because they've crossed over with a lot of companies, mm-hmm. um, how how does this one rank? Ghostbusters, Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Where do you think? I mean, I th- I I probably prefer the Ghostbusters one, but but Batman is cool too, and seeing Batman just <laughs> demolish Shredder. Yeah. Is the best. Because, <laughs> I mean, even in this preview, I mean, in, in Batman's universe, he's the best martial artist, pretty much. Right. I mean, maybe Black Canary is close and a couple others, but he's the best. And he can just really easily beat the Ninja Turtles, which hurts my heart a little bit as a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan, but I know it's the way it would actually be. And the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles beat Shredder on a fairly regular basis, so having Batman <laughs> just come in like and throw him like a child... It's great, and the, I, I don't know if did you get you. Get, I know you didn't watch the trailer. Did you watch? I the trailer? don't have a chance. Uh, they basically it's Rachel Ghoul teams up with Shredder, and they give Mutagen to Joker. The t- that sounds the, like a bad the idea. The TCRI, uh, okay. yeah, Mutagen yeah, that transforms sounds... the turtles, and that's how they're going to beat the turtles or whatever. So the, the ooze as yeah, as it were. The ooze, yeah. <laughs> Mutagen ooze, whatever. How many times do we have to? go over this storyline you cannot weaponize the joker he will turn on you too <laughs> like, yeah it seems likely right but all uh, the batman villains like, <laughs> they are shoving a lot into it i'm a little worried i mean i understand you don't really get a lot of shots at teenage mutant Ninja turtles and batman in the same yeah. thing so they really only get one shot but uh you know seeing joker and penguin and rachel ghoul and and plus uh, uh teenage mutant Ninja turtle villains with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, and other characters. Batgirl, Robin. Like, it's just a lot of characters in it. Maybe that's why some superhero movies, at least back in the day, ran into the, the too many villains problem because they never knew if they were going to get another chance. Yeah. So they just threw as many people in as they could, and that's how you ended up with Batman and Robin or Spider-Man Three. That's why I'm guessing this is <laughs> happening in this one, but uh, I, mean, I don't know. Okay. I would rather them get the ooze to somebody else. Fair enough. So yeah. I haven't done this in a little while, but question for you two that you'll have oh. to answer at the end of the show. Oh boy. Uh, if you could see the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover with something that they haven't crossed over yet, what would it be? And you'll That's answer at the me. end. I'm okay, not sure good. I know the I'm glad. List of crossovers. You don't have to write it down. This I do because I need to think about it the whole time. Even though I know the answer, I want to have good reasons. <laughs> okay. So while these chuckleheads think about this, we are going to go on a quick break. Enjoy your advertisement. Hey. Why play video games when you could watch people play video games? 
Why watch people play video games when you could listen to people talk about video games? Come rest your eyes and hands with the Gamer Heroes podcast. We'll cover the latest news in games, previews, reviews, and more coming your way every Wednesday morning. Come check us out as part of the Heroes Podcast Network at heroespodcasts.com or find us on Spotify, iTunes, Spreaker, or, you know, other podcast places. Give us a listen to help you get through your busy day or even just forget you left it playing in your headphones. We're cool with that too. Hey everyone, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that ad. Please listen to Red Shirts and Runabouts. Thank you. All right. Coming up next. So let's or don't really or, like, or, yeah, you know, like whatever. whatever. Do do your own thing. Live your it's own hurtful. life. You should you should listen to my other show. No, I think you. Derek has a very nice, pleasant voice. Greg definitely has a nice, pleasant voice. Greg know? is the real reason to listen to that show. Let's get real. He's got the best voice in the network. He should be actually mm, on camera well. because his hair is fantastic. Just it's his like, hair. Just a ca- just a hair cam. <laughs> just a hair cam. Yeah. <laughs> just like with a fan blowing on it. You can just do a new hair from cam. Buster Props. The <laughs> hair cam. <laughs> That's just, a new market, yeah, I think. Yeah, it is. <laughs> For $5 on Patreon, we'll give you five minutes of Greg's hair just blowing. <laughs> An emerging market. That'll be a special tier. Yeah. Um, anyway. The conditioner tier. I feel like he would make sure that each of us have, like, a body part on camera. If he's going to do it, then so will us. But That's true. He's, he's an equal opportunist, and I don't really want to open that can of worms. All right. So, Captain Marvel. Let's talk Captain Marvel. So, that movie destroyed the box office this weekend. Did really good for a March film. It uh, it broke a lot of records, um, which was fantastic. It, so, worldwide, $455 million. Um, Domestic actually, was 153 After uh, the latest updates at 490 That's great. Um, uh, That's date, wonderful. Uh, which is pretty cool. It's uh, it's opening weekend was 155 domestically. I mean, it won the box office. There really wasn't any competition, right? How I Trained mm-hmm. Your Dragon was in its third week. It came in second place at 14.6 million. <laughs> right? And Medea's a family funeral. Medea's stuff just always kills. It it stays for a really long time. It you know, people want to bag on Tyler Perry for not getting a new thing, but why should he when people keep paying to see it? The thing is, yeah. I mean, if you look at the the other movies that opened this weekend, uh, nothing else made a million dollars. That was a new movie, so these right. those were much smaller flicks. So it didn't really have any competition this weekend. So it did that's not. That's why it dominated. It it did really well though. It did some mm-hmm. pretty interesting things. Uh, just statistically, if we we look at a, f- a few of the uh, the tables here. So um, first off, it is the second highest opening weekend ever for a superhero origin film. Black Panther. With Black Panther being the only one to beat it. Yeah, Black um, Panther killed last year. I we mean, all thought it was going to be Infinity War and it was Black Panther. Yeah, it beat it by a lot. I mean, Black Panther got over $200 million its opening weekend. That was a pretty big deal. So it, it beat out uh, Suicide Squad and Deadpool, which apparently um, Suicide Squad counts as an origin film, I guess. <laughs> I don't know why Deadpool keeps getting mentioned. Like It was the highest star rating and highest February, but like for real... Those are minor records when you compare it to everything else. But it was the fourth highest opening weekend for a superhero origin story okay. ever. Um, I mean, for example, the um, 2002 Spider-Man comes in at sixth place. The first Iron Man's eighth place. Um, I mean, Aquaman's 13th. Okay. So, it. I mean, De- Deadpool still did really well. Um, That's fair. But, uh, 
Yeah, I mean it's 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 pretty cool. It's uh, the eleventh highest superhero opening ever uh, of everything, right? So there's only ten movies that did better, and that includes uh, all three um, Avengers movies that are out right now: Civil War, BVS, most of the Dark Knight trilogy. So it's in pretty good company financially speaking. Um, like you like we said, it's almost at five hundred million already after just one weekend. So uh, clearly, it's doing really well. It's uh, it's only this domestically. This is where things get really interesting, though. Domestically, it's only the seventh highest MCU opening of twenty-one films. Um, it's because that domestic number is actually fairly low. It made most of its money internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, the split is pretty drastic. Uh, if we take a look at the overall market split, I think it's like sixty something, sixty-six point four percent foreign, which is a pretty high high ratio. So that's good news for the future of movies. Yeah. Absolutely. It does mean more inclusion of the international markets. China and uh, South Korea, India, they all have really stellar um, movie industries, but Americans never really hear about them. We, We see them maybe once a year during the Oscars for the foreign film, and that's about it. And every once in a while, um, we get good i guess uh word of mouth about a foreign film mm-hmm. it, it picks up but it doesn't really happen here we kind of block that shit off for some reason because you know america's racist and self-absorbed too so sure yeah so let's move on anyway <laughs> yeah so uh captain marvel mainly the movie uh took a lot from kelly sue DeConnick's run even though the character's about 40 uh, 45 years old at this point. Kelly Sue DeConnick, who uh, revamped the character starting in uh, 2008-2009. And she's been going on and off since then. So uh, most of that stuff comes from here, including Goose, whose name is Chewy in the comic books. But she made him a flirtkin. <laughs> That's, that was her Spoiler, by the way. (laughs) It's fine. We're we're talking about the movie now, so spoiler alert, whatever. Whatever. Um, Ryan, do you know the comic books at all? Because I do not. Not really, no. Okay. So for, I guess for both of us, and this was kind of our first introduction to the character, I knew bits and pieces about her, but not not enough to say what really followed the comic books or not. So Carol Danvers specifically is not the first female Captain Marvel. That was actually Monica Rambeau who also went by Spectrum and Photon. The issue is Carol Danvers has had four or five other superhero names. She's had eight, nine other costumes with different logos on them. Carol Danvers was a character that Marvel could not get right until they made her Ms. Marvel. And then her popularity started rising. Marvels went down quite a bit. So they just made her... Uh, the staple Captain Marvel, and it's been a good choice. Um, fun fact, Captain: there's been six Captain Marvels. Three have been women, three have been men, but all of the women's runs in the comics were much longer than the men's. All right, so let's talk about the movie then. Um, one thing I kind of want to get out of the way real quick is the de-aging technology. I was actually really impressed with it. I uh, struggled to find any cgi issues with the de-aging i don't know about you guys but i was expecting it not to look as good as it did 
no, it's it was pretty on point for um, both. I don't know why you would why you would expect any less. They've every time used they've used that de aging technology. It's looked really good. I um, disagree. I, I, I think Robert Downey Jr.'s in Civil War looks kind of bad. Uh, maybe it does now. At the time, it looked good, and uh, okay, in my opinion, and you know what we've seen more recently in other movies is has been pretty good. So I don't know. I, I, I when they did yeah. uh, the dude Kurt and Ant Man and, and, and yeah, Kurt Russell, yeah. Um, well, was all really good. So Kurt Russell's is a little bit of an exception, though, because they were able to use prosthetics because of his Maybe makeup so. guy. Like, but, well, his isn't. But so I don't. That's like not he, the same. Right, he was still de-aged with the CGI. end process. Yeah, like the end process is what I'm saying. You know, yeah. it looks good in the end process. They have a method, whatever mm-hmm. method it is, on each of these to, for it to look good, and it looked great in this movie. They had references for Coulson and for sure. Samuel Jackson because they were both acting back then. Yes. Um, but this was a new technology. This was their new AI. Yeah. That, that was a, a different take. And it was a definitely a weird that they they had to do it through the whole film, whereas yeah. in other movies they right. haven't really had to do that. So that was what impressed me more than anything. Is like you said, there wasn't a even a bad spot. That like, was I expected the there to be a bad spot somewhere where mm-hmm. you're like, okay, you know. But no, it was all really good. Well, because like you know, there's there's some action sequences, and you would think when something's passing in front of one of their faces or they're turning or something like that, that that AI would get off a little bit, um, mm-hmm. and it just it just never really happened. And so I just assumed that. Because of the amount of screen time Samuel L. Jackson was going to have, that they they just wouldn't have the budget to do it completely right the entire time, and they did, and so that was really kind of cool. Um, it it opens up an interesting door for other projects that um, you know could could have some cool ramifications for sequels and prequels and flashbacks and that kind of thing. Did you guys see it in IMAX or no. No. okay? I saw it in IMAX. Not that it makes any difference, but in case I mean, some sometimes it does. Experience. Yeah, I mean, the CG didn't look any different probably for me than it did for you. I would have rather yeah. seen it in a regular showing now. <laughs> now that I've seen it, especially. Yeah, that's that's fair. We saw it in a, just a, a regular showing, but it was on one of, one of the larger size screens for regular showings. Um, it was hard getting like a decent showtime for this. I think yes, a lot it, was. Of it was in 3d and we don't go to 3d. Really irritating. The normal theater I go to only had two showtimes on Saturday and two showtimes on Sunday, which is really crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm a sucker for Dolby. Well, it looks like Dolby's contract or the way that AMC's contract with uh, real D 3d has now gone up and has, has revamped. So Dolby can show 3d now, which um, for everybody who likes 3d, I'm sure this is great. And, not good for you though sucks for me because that was my go-to premium format for tv well, you showings like 3d i'm the one that usually passes on it because i get a headache from it i can appreciate it in very specific situations like avatar and tron legacy i thought did it really well but i wear glasses and wearing glasses over glasses is really annoying for two hours i would say check out the b&b theaters because they have a special it's not dolby but it's their equivalent and, the, and it's the, very good what do they call it the xd or no that's something that's like Cinemark. that that's Cinemark. i can't Cinemark's remember is... but i was very impressed the one time i went so yeah yeah and maybe we need to branch out a little bit you know um but uh but yeah so we saw it on a, a large size screen of course um and it just it looked really the special effects looked really good yeah absolutely um there was one thing ray you pointed out though about samuel L. jackson that the de-aging couldn't really stop that i i didn't notice till you said it do you remember the fight scenes he samuel L. jackson oh had. yeah so here's the thing um I noticed this because Samuel L. Jackson constantly works. He does approximately two to three movies a year. He still moves like a 60, 70-year-old man, 
when he is punching and fighting, he is not moving like he's in his 30s and 40s. He's not moving as fast as he did in Pulp Fiction or Deep Blue Sea or Jurassic Park even, even though he was just sitting there. Um, so, even though the de-aging was immaculate on his face, he was still a little slower, a little dodgier, a little rougher around the edges. And um, that's, that's just something that you can't do. You can't work it out. You can't fix that. So you can. You just use a stuntman instead of Samuel L. Jackson, but whatever. Samuel L. Jackson's not going to do that. He's never done that. Well, it start, <laughs> like, that starts to defeat the purpose a little bit. Too. Right. Like, why de-age at that time? Why not just recast? Right. Exactly. Nobody wants to recast. Because <laughs> we want to see these actors, right? Yeah. I mean, this was... Don't get me wrong, it's a Captain Marvel origin story, but it's also inside of that an origin story for Nick Fury, too, um, which was a pretty cool part of the film for me, at least. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't love that part. I Okay. So, one of the big problems I had with this movie was that Nick Fury was a totally different character. Not even close to the Nick Fury that we've seen in every other movie. Correct. He was literally a different person. They could have recast him, or and it would have, I mean, it would have not been any different because there's and it bothers you yeah yeah really? i mean people change in 20 years sure but their personality isn't 30 com- years 30 years however long <laughs> it's been. but it, it hasn't 20 1995 uh, 24 years all right all right i mean we first see him in uh in 2008 which is only 13 years after okay like has so much shit gone down for nick fury in that time that he's now a completely different character that doesn't you know show any emotion or really do anything other than be a hard ass you know it, I, I don't know I, that bothered me he was a totally different character i also didn't love the eye patch thing well the reason why he wears oh, yeah. an eye patch now a lot of people didn't especially because of the line in winter soldier where he says the last time i trusted somebody i, I thought that eye. made that line funnier <laughs> but... it does but it it removes the seriousness from yeah, like winter soldier while it helps captain marvel it kind of hurts winter soldier yeah. just a bit like just a bit so I, th- I think i think the problem for me is that Nick Fury's change by everything that happens to him in a vacuum actually makes sense. It doesn't make sense in the MCU because nobody else changes. Everybody yells. Coulson is still Coulson. Yeah. He's a little cooler. Right. Right. (laughs) But he's still the same kind of guy. Even like when you look at somebody like Tony or Cap or, you know, who have been through quite a bit in the movies. At their core, they're still the same person. Exactly. Um, I mean, I guess Thor changes quite a bit. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's kind of a special circumstance. Right. That that was was... because Chris Hemsworth was more fun to hang out with than he, as offset as Chris Hemsworth (laughs) than he was as Thor. And people didn't like it. And they were like, well, he's just a funny guy. Let's let him be funny in the movies. (laughs) Right. But, I mean, most of our heroes don't change at their core. And that's the weird thing. Right? When Cap and Tony find out everything that they find out, it should screw them up. It should make them different people. The fact that it doesn't maybe is a statement on the hero-ness of those characters, but that's the weird part. I think it's herosity, by the way. No. Um. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Because like, think about what Nick Fury goes through. He's a normal guy who's kind of like a secret agent. Sort he's not. Of. He's a spy. But They've what... always called him a spy. Right. But he's... The... Tony even says he's not a spy. He is the spy. Sure, but that's later, right? I'm talking about in Captain Marvel here. He's he's an, he's a secret agent, right? But he's he hasn't seen anything that's really changed him yet. He's a normal person still. And then he finds out that 
not only are there aliens, but they've been impersonating his boss for who knows how long. They impersonated his partner, right? It breaks his whole ability to trust anybody, which does impact that line in, in The Winter Soldier. It probably doesn't need to be ruined in the sense that he used to trust his boss and his partner and other people, but this event taught him not to. Right. And so he does have to become hardened. He realizes that life on earth could be wiped out at any minute and he's not really allowed to tell anybody about it. And he's got the weight of literally the weight of the world on his shoulders. And that probably keeps him up most of the time. It's uh, probably monopolized his entire life. He probably never has a family, probably never has relationships. And so a decade later, 13 years later, when we meet him in Iron Man, yeah, he probably is a very different, more bitter, hardened person. In the end, he's also not one of our heroes. He's made very compromising decisions. He's, you know, he elects to be the voice of reason sometimes, but that reason has been kind of shit other times. So, you know, he's not an Avenger. And there's good reason for that. So I... I liked seeing a happier Samuel L. Jackson, and I liked seeing. Well, I liked what his... he was. Uh, I liked the character. I enjoyed like his humor and mm-hmm. whatever, but it just I didn't love that this is supposed to be Nick Fury because it's just not the same character, not even close. And I feel like we need a bridge. Show us how he gets to that. Show us Budapest with Black Widow and uh, Hawkeye, or. You know, fill in the gaps a bit, because then maybe it makes more sense than seeing a complete decade change. But for right now, what we've seen, it was a a problem for me. That's fair. So, okay, so let's talk, let's talk about, uh... Captain Marvel. (laughs) Right. Um, so... And Brie Larson and everything. (laughs) And and everything, yeah. So her her story is kind of hard to, to, to talks about the specific parts of it because it's also entangled with the flashbacks and everything like that um so where do where you guys want to start with her i mean obviously she's part of this kree kind of special forces unit with uh with our buddy jude law <laughs> i kind of want to talk about the twist with her which twist where the, yeah, there's the a twist, couple of them well the twist that she was working for the bad guy the whole time and that we're supposed to be surprised by that um the only way it's surprising is that it is different for an MCU film. Right, but the Kree have been shown already that yeah. they're bad guys. In Guardians of the Galaxy, one of the highest grossing Marvel movies and most popular Marvel movies that's ever come out, and in the AOS TV show, which, you know, whatever, uh, it's, it's pretty popular, but not as popular as the movies. So really, the fact that the Kree are bad guys are is not a surprise at all, but the movie kind of treated it like it's supposed to be some revelation that she's doing bad things with these bad guys and that the scrolls are really not that bad. I think if I have any real complaint about the movie, it's that the movie was trying to surprise the comic book readers. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Rather than well, the MCU her, audience. Her origin is so tied to the creed that I don't think there was any way they were going to do this movie without having her associated with the creed. So how do you do that? How do you make your hero be one of the bad guys? So you've already set up it. They have to be at least morally ambiguous with their compass pointing towards South more than North, but still have her be the hero. Well, you have to have you her have, be duped you don't a bit. Do the, you, don't, you don't do the origin story at all. You do it after she's, maybe she hasn't discovered all of her powers yet, but you say, you say you know, she left the Kree because she found out that they were bad people. And, uh, you know, well, I mean, you don't treat it for 45 minutes like it's going to be some big revelation that they're the bad guys. It's not uncommon to do an enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? And the whole idea that we're told through most of the movies that the scroll are the real bad guys. And an argument could be made that the Kree may be bad a lot of the time, but maybe they're right about the scroll because the scroll are these shapeshifters that are infiltrating and we see that they've infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. and, you know, they've taken over uh, his, you know, uh, Fury's boss and Coulson one time and, and all of that. So I don't, I don't think it's a stretch to say the Kree being against the scroll is, is morally right when we have the beginning of the film. It, that's actually, I think that's more what the movie is about is about the scroll not actually being the bad guys that we're supposed to think they are. I think that's more of the point. And that being a revelation that Carol has shouldn't be looked at as a twist as much as just a personal revelation that her character has. The fact that the scrolls were sympathetic was more of a twist for me because the Kree have always been, I mean, they're, they're space humans. They, they go to war just as often as we do. They dominate and they, uh, colonize like they're just as evil as we've been in the past so like while there's probably a couple good Kree out there it's uh, just as a whole probably not but it's the scrolls that were uh, surprising to me because everybody's been hinting at secret invasion being the next big crossover thing for this new band of avengers and it would have been a fantastic story but that kind of ruins it here um yeah i don't know how you could do it anytime soon i feel like you would well this be... movie is, takes place in 1995 so yeah. i mean if from the timeline of the mcu they could do it after endgame well but what i mean though is from a viewer standpoint you've gone from in in this movie they're sympathetic victims to two movies later being world-ending so villains too, i mean they're gonna not pro- if they did that it wouldn't be for another avenger it would be for another avengers movie well, which that's, is that's not what i'm saying too, so you know, it wouldn't be right after endgame yeah. i'm saying you have to have time to yeah set i think up they're, they're they'd have now. to do another like three or four movies too right yeah, which i don't yeah. think is out of the question there's three or four movies at least in every phase before an avengers movie i imagine right. we'll see black panther 2 guardians 3 and doctor strange 3 before we see avengers 4 or avengers 5 probably yeah Maybe um, even a new. So we have an practice. interesting question in chat that I'm really hoping you can answer, Ray, because I have no <laughs> idea what they're talking about. Yeah. So Midnight Pearl asks, will they ever bring all the movies together to fight Onslaught? Probably not. I honestly think the next big thing um, should be... The Eternals. Uh, I would love to see The Eternals. They already said they're doing a movie of yeah. it. Yeah. 
Uh, the Eternals are fantastic. I, I don't think Onslaught is up next. The, the problem is that there's only a few other big bads out there, including Onslaught, that would be comparable, but well, it, Fox, it would be complete ripoffs of I mean, you can get Galactus and Silver Surfer. You can get Galactus Doctor Doom. Galactus would be amazing. Uh, I mean, there's there's some good villains that they're getting with the merger, so. I feel like Kang is really good, too. Kang the Conqueror. Um, especially since he is supposed to be Iron Man's um, kid, or I guess Min- Minty. Iron Lad uh, grows up to be Kang the Conqueror, so that's kind of cool. Spider Man is kind of his prodigy right now, so. Oh. Yeah, they'd have to kind of change. Evil Peter Parker. Yeah, they'd have to change that one up. Oh, definitely wouldn't be Iron Lad. <laughs> Iron Lad's such a stupid name. <laughs> like, um, So, anyway, so so go, going back to, to Carol, though, so, um, you know, I, piecing together her memories and things like that, I think was just a way to keep keep the character from making the revelation. I'm not really sure that that was meant for us as much as her. And talking about piecing the memories, I did not love that. That okay. you didn't get enough important Carol backstory to really care about her at all at that point, right? Like, I loved in Wonder Woman, for example, you know, seeing all the training, watching all that, you know, with, when she's a kid, when she's running away from her mom, mm-hmm. when she's, you know, all, all these things, and she's doing the secret training and all that. I loved that. And, and you built up some kind of, you know, care for the character. You know some of their backstory. In this, you get like a five-second flash of her falling off something. And that's, that, you know, that's all you get. And it was tough for me to really connect. Granted, I'm a white male. No, you're good. It's tough for me to really connect with her because we didn't really get any history with huh. her, right? And I get granted, she doesn't know her history, but they, the stuff they do show is like these tiny little glimpses of things that really didn't give me any kind of a connection with her. Yeah. And so the most so. emotional that her character um, got for me, the most serious, is when they're all on Monica and Maria's home, and they're all talking mm-hmm. and they're trying to jog her memory. That's at the end of the movie, like and, that's yeah, in it, the last it is third like, act. Uh, yeah. Like I love the, the second idea. act or something, yeah. I love the idea of her falling down, but she kept getting back up, right? Like that kind of trope in like Rocky, you know, he gets right. knocked down but he gets back up. That like, kind of thing. Cap, I love that. Cap keeps getting up because he's got a job to finish. Marvel but, keeps getting up because fuck you, she's going to finish it's this. It's established like, that that's part of Cap's character. Yeah. And, and apparently like it is now Punisher. it is Captain Amer- uh, Captain Marvel's too. Both of the captains are they get back up again. Is, and that's great. It is kind of a, a single thread that all the MCU heroes, maybe with not, maybe not Hulk, uh, carry through, right? Because I mean, Thor's had that too. His whole arc in 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 Ragnarok really is about losing everything and getting back up, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think what what's interesting. Well, this here, one was an, an actual like falling down and getting back up. Like they yeah, show that right. specific thing. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I think this this movie is kind of in this weird catch 22 area and i was having this conversation with a friend of mine because it it doesn't want to do the marvel formula because they've done the marvel formula 20 but it times is. but it does certain things that are the marvel formula and then it tries to break away from those in other ways like having her not know who she really is and not really giving that backstory in a normal way and and handling of the villain were different those were not normal mcu formula things um, and so I think the issue there is if those things, those differences didn't really work for you, it, that kind of impacts the film as a whole because it's a departure 
from what the average viewer is probably used to seeing at this point. Um, they worked for me, so I, I thought it was a nice departure because I I like not having the same hero story that we've seen a bunch of times because they're really not that different from each other. Um, so knowing that we're not seeing where she really came from, that we have she has to figure out where she is after the fact was just a different take for me. I thought it was interesting. Um, I didn't really take the Kree thing too seriously because, you know, there's a lot of movies where our characters don't know stuff that we already know. That's not, you know, an uncommon thing. Sure. Mm -hmm. Something else that bothered me about Carol was, um, I don't know. I felt, I felt kind of a weird disconnect from her. Like things felt like they weren't, I don't know. It was a weird feeling. I just didn't connect with her. Like I have other Marvel heroes and I think part of it was because we're supposed to believe that her 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 memories are all gone, right? And mm -hmm. she doesn't remember who she is or anything about her past. And she's on this alien ship. But then she's making, like, very human jokes. Like, modern human jokes. And, like, very humanity type thing. And then she goes back to Earth. And she's still making a lot of human references. And there was no fish out of water. Like you would think somebody that, even though it's only been six years, it's been longer for her because she has no idea. You know, so it just, the, I, I guess I love fish out of water stories. I was kind of hoping for a little more fish out of water. But she felt very comfortable on Earth, despite the fact that she had no real recollection of anything that had to do with Earth. Other than some flashbacks. I feel like she just didn't have shame. She shows up in a weird looking outfit and she doesn't know what's really going on. Or, um, I mean, she, she did kind of show that Blockbuster was weird to her and... But she didn't have any shame. She had authority, so she walked up to the security guard like she knew what she was doing. And she was on the bus like she knew what she was doing and just kind of figured things out as she went. It, it wasn't used as, uh, I guess, comic relief so much. But I I didn't really get the, the human jokes. Like, she she joked with uh, Jan Rog and she joked with Cor. Uh, Horvath. And she, like, in the middle of a fight said, hey, I don't know if any of you guys know how to get these off. Well, okay then. And then she, like, roars at somebody. Like, it's just, you know, maybe those aren't human jokes, but they are, like, <laughs> that nobody else around her is making those jokes. And that's that's her entire set of memories at that point. So why is she just all of a sudden, you know, this jokester? It felt for me that the Kree were just us with not the pop culture references. Like, they, like, they all talk the same way we do. Right. They might, you know, some of them might talk a little more official because they're like military or something like that. But every time she's with the Kree, they just totally talked completely normal. Right. Um, even the scroll did. Nobody, nobody made any jokes except for her. And I like um, her jokes. That's so. not true. Yan uh, Rog, Minerva, and Talos all made jokes. Did they? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, T Talos was like, we haven't gotten. She's to him the only yet, one that gets chastised but, for it, apparently. Well, because yeah. she's the she's the lead, and she's she plays a relatively stoic character for, through most of the film. And Ben Mendelsohn, who plays Talos, by the way, my favorite role he's ever done, and I think he's kind of a huge standout. He was for the scroll. Yeah. 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 That that was a surprise he's, for me too. He's so, so good. Great. <laughs> Uh, but he makes a lot of jokes, and a lot of it's very subtle, a lot of it's mannerism and stuff like drinking from the soda cup and, and different things like that. Like, he's a very lighthearted, humorous character in this movie, but that's that's who he is, though. She's, she's trying to be very mission-focused and very, like I said, stoic the entire time. And she's she has her moments of, of being jovial and things like that, but she's taking everything very seriously. 
I think because she is really the only one who has no clue what's going on. And meanwhile, all of her Cree friends know that they're screwing with her and they know what, you know, what's happening and the scroll people, they know what's happening on their side. And so they're a little more lighthearted about things because it's kind of like the sarcastic, you know, self depravity kind of situation where, you know, the situation you're in. So you joke about it. She doesn't know. And she's really kind of frustrated about that is how it felt to me. I mean, I've crapped a lot on this movie, but, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but I mean, I did enjoy a lot of it. I think I only crap on it a lot is because I knew you guys were going to come into it really enjoying it, and I wanted to bounce that out. can't have that. No, no, no. <laughs> I didn't mean that. I just mean that I wanted to bring, you know, I didn't want to be focused on how great everything is and the world is all shiny and peachy. It's never and... like that. None of our <laughs> reviews were ever like that. Spider-Man or the Spider-Verse. It's because of me. Yeah, that movie, there was not, well, no, you guys talked about how much you hated Kingpin, but other than that. Derek talked about I it. I, I wasn't bothered. It was weird, but I didn't hate it. Oh, like, it was just out of good. place a bit. It was really nice seeing a, a female superhero lead again. And she was funny. Like, I enjoyed the jokes. It was just a weird disconnect I had with, with the character. Um, she's very powerful. I know it's something that probably bothered Derek. Because it bothered me a little bit. Only because of you with our Ant-Man and the Wasp review. Was they played very fast and loose with the rules regarding her helmet. They did? Yes! Oh my gosh, you, it didn't bother you? I may I didn't notice. So like every time she goes into space, the helmet comes on. Every time she goes under the water. No, every time she was in space, she would get into space. She'd be breathing nothing, and then the helmet would come yeah, on. Like then, she'd be floating at the for very a while. End, she comes up and was like floating in front of the spaceship. Is like, should we go? And she's in like this leather jacket, no helmet, just floating in space, and then goes no helmet on at any point during this. But every other time she's in space or the water, she needs a helmet. I didn't notice. I don't understand how you didn't notice that since it bothered you so well, much in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yes, they're, they're, the explanation for that is that I was too invested in the film at that point to try and find problems. <laughs> okay. It wasn't the very end. Like, they I were mean, pretty good about it throughout the entire movie. I was like, they're not going to put the helmet on her the whole movie. But then they really did right up until that very last scene. Yeah, I didn't I didn't notice that. I guess by that point, I was just so... I've been waiting. I, 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 I've been waiting to bring that up because I knew you would agree with me on it, but then you don't. And that's very disappointing. I mean, let's face it, the, the more the, the less a movie grabs you, the more likely you are to find problems with it, right? Because you're not really invested in the story and the characters as much. I must have just been very bought into the movie. <laughs> Fair enough. They did use the helmet a lot more than I thought they would, which I thought was cool, because I really like that helmet. And she looks really cool in it. The mohawk thing is really neat. They executed that all really well. They did. Minerva's mask. I love that mask. It was really, when she was like doing the sniping thing and the mask came out, I love the way that looked. She was a really cool looking character. She was. Jimmy Chan deserves better. Minerva. Like, <laughs> yeah, she wasn't like is, a like, standout. No. But. Jimmy Chan has proven to so many people, including myself, that she's a great actress, but she, she is stuck right now in side roles. And uh, my favorite part of the MCU is that they can get really great actors at all levels in Side every part of cameos. the movie. My the thing I hate most is that some of these best people in these side roles never get better. Idris Elba is never going to get better than Heimdall and that sucks. That really sucks Matt Damon is never going to get better than Loki. That's fine. I'm fine with that. I'm not a big Matt Damon fan. <laughs> never going to get better than Loki. That's fine. Oh man, that's funny. So, you guys haven't really let me talk about nope. the movie at all. Shut it down. We're the white male reviewers, so <laughs> that's, that's what we do. Are. We shut you down. I have certain points that I really want to say. And like, 
think I haven't even got now that I've that's why I on keep, it. Every time I keep looking over at you. And yeah, there was some dead silence there where I was waiting for you <laughs> to say something and you didn't. Dead so. silence. I really haven't let that much go on. Um, okay, so first of all, soundtrack was a lot of fun. Um, I I thought it basically covered just about every main 90s genre that was sung or led by a female um with the exception of nirvana and i'm still trying to figure out how nirvana got in there when everything else was female driven but i will figure it out because there is a purpose behind it nirvana was like pinnacles of 90s so um i uh I, I will figure it out. <laughs> I think it's because at that point when it plays, the supreme intelligence isn't what she thought it was. So it's kind of a deception. Um, let's see. I, I do think that they could have gone better with the 90s music. They could have done like some Slater Kinney or Poe or, you know, a few other um, female artists that were not as popular. They weren't pop artists, but whatever. Uh, let's go here. So, first Marvel movie. We're 21 in. No love story. Not one love interest. True. And absolutely... I hadn't thought about that, but that's definitely true. Absolutely excited about it. Now, that presents a small problem, too. While her story doesn't depend on a male or a female love interest at all, Love also makes us a little more vulnerable. It's why we attach to Iron Man and Pepper. It's why we're attached to Cap and Peggy Carter. Like, it it makes us more um, relatable because we've all felt some sort of love at some level. So I am hoping that Love sneaks into her storyline. She has a really good romance with uh, James Rhodes' War Machine in the comics, and that would be really cool if she and Don Cheadle had a flirtation i doubt that's going to happen because they have so much to do in endgame but even just a slight nod i'd that, say more falcon because uh, that would that would be flying. great that would be really cool Rody can fly <laughs> yeah but i mean falcon's <laughs> wings right so. yeah see that's that's my my problem with this whole thing is uh with all the avengers is you know, some of these people would be sleeping together. For sure. Absolutely. But, like, but that's why Hulk and Black Widow made so much sense to me. You work in close quarters. You have an attraction to each other. Of course. Life in that situation. Yeah. yeah. Well, you yeah, guys are going to happen. who talked about uh, uh, Black Widow and uh, Cap getting it on at some point. Yeah, oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, we were discussing whether we thought that <laughs> yeah. happened. This was yeah. not on the podcast. I don't no. think this was a are private sure? conversation. Yeah. I thought yeah. we talked about this. No. I have a theory that in the two years between Civil War and Infinity War, where the two of them were on the lam, they probably had some platonic sex at some point. Never well, in a relationship. at that point. Still. And I don't think he is in Infinity War. He grew out the beard. That's true. You know? He, did get he got his Riker beard, which yeah. means he's had sex. <laughs> okay, no, I, I just, I don't feel like there's any romance. It was just, hey, we're here. We're attracted to each other. We've kissed before. This would be easy. So I don't think they're dating. I just think that, like, they probably exchanged some, some fluids at some point. How, how do you think Bruce would take that when he found out? I don't think... Hulk, he'd Hulk like, out. <laughs> but then Cap would hold his hand back like this. I feel like missing out on a relationship with Black Widow is just one of the many things he can be mad at Hulk for. You know, taking over, hijacking someone's life for two years is a lot. Mm. So Bruce probably is really mad at the Hulk. Fair enough. But... So going back to Captain Marvel, please. Uh, your your point on the vulnerability is 
it has kind of triggered my it's something i also want to talk about if you're not don't have anything else you want to bring up not at the moment okay. i i did have a much longer sure. list but we shut that down real yeah. quick okay. um so uh the lack of vulnerability for the character not necessarily from emotionally pers- emotional perspective but just from like the fact that she is nigh unbeatable once she powers up is a is a issue for is a little bit of an issue for me not necessarily in this movie but in the upcoming universe because basically i mean kevin feige has said it and we can argue about it or whatever but he said that she's the most powerful avenger and they're obviously going that way sure with this movie she is clearly more powerful or at least has a more uh important power set than everybody else and so this many movies in, in between uh, Infinity War and Endgame, we get this character that is now the most powerful character in the universe, and literally the Avengers are named after her. And, you know, now what are, what's everybody else going to do? Like, I'm worried it's going to be like Superman in the Justice League movie, where he literally holds the entire team back with one arm and then fights, you know, Thanos or whoever else with the other arm. I feel like this is a point where we really have to put the good Avengers and uh, put them where they belong. There's a reason why Shuri wasn't out on the battlefield in Infinity War. She was in the science lab figuring out what to do with Vision. And I think there needs to be more of that because... More roles. Exactly. The brains... Like, we've talked about this a long time ago. Black Widow and Hawkeye can't really compare to some of the others on the on the battlefield like there's why like falcon what's falcon gonna do next to mm-hmm. captain marvel nothing if you have dr strange and thor and scarlet sorry that's our puppy uh scarlet <laughs> witch and captain marvel next to each other i mean you could pretty much take out so many people so i think falcon and bucky and black widow are more suited for under this <laughs> <laughs> undercover covert missions and less of these big bad battlefields but they're the avengers and everybody wants to see them in the avengers movie yeah but But i i mean i said not everybody is gonna get well the trick is you have to have multiple objectives right like yes obviously if if there's a bunch of of faceless you know um you know, faceless alien armies like we had in Infinity you, War. Right. Like yeah. we've had in well, every, every Avengers like every movie. movie. Those faceless armies, yeah, you're gonna have trouble with, with that type of power set thing. DC has the same issues. That's why yeah. they usually have to come up with there being multiple objectives. That's why they have Kryptonite. Well and so now Kevin to be fair, Kevin Feige did say that they will show her vulnerabilities in future films. She does have weaknesses. Well yeah, she's right? not immortal. She's not bulletproof by any means. Like even no, a though pinball her machine hurt her in the movie. Right. But... Like even though her blast could probably kill multiple people all in one blow, she could still take one. Like if somebody had her a similar power set, Thor and her would make a really cool fight because both of their blows would hurt each other. I think well, unless she has the power of a star, she's probably not going to hurt. We don't me. know, but uh, I I just think that her it was it was a little annoying that her powers varied or her the power levels varied based on what the situation was. Like in one scene, uh, even after she removes the limiter, a pinball th- machine knocked her over, but then she can go turn around a nuke and tank a starship attacking hitting her. You know. Or, you know, well, it was just like, what there's the a lot of like for? small explanations for that. The pinball machine could have caught her off guard or uh, like being surprised by it as opposed to planning for the sure. nuke thing. Like, it just seems the, like a character that can get hit by a starship would probably not get knocked over by a pinball machine, even if they're not paying attention. Thing is, entertainment wise, that 
fight wouldn't be fun. It's true. It, it is it is the Superman problem, and it's, it's easy to compare to that because he's just had a lot of screen time over the years. And you're right. I mean, these are characters that have similar power sets, and you you just you have to set it up for that situation. And there's going to be a battle where she's going to fight a character like Thanos, and one of them's going to throw the other into a building. But then, yeah, they could fly through a spaceship and blow it up, but they'll get you know knocked down for a few seconds by a bunch of rubble. It, that's yeah. just mm-hmm. that's a very comic booky thing, right. right? And I think that's just the nature of trying to make an interesting fight scene. You know, you can't. It's tough when a character is so powerful, yeah. and that you know that's why I guess I gravitate more towards like the Ant Man movies, even though I wouldn't say either of them are better than this movie. The thing is, is in the comics she's incredibly powerful, sure. so you can't. She's their Superman. But, she like so you can't close. nerf her too much because she's also the first lead uh, woman superhero in the MCU, and if you nerf her, that sends a very bad message. Well, it's just, <laughs> so... there's not a lot of women for every three or four guys there's one woman for every like five or six guys actually on the avengers there's a woman and only one with a feature-length film yeah so it's (laughs) it's not a good track record there marvel is behind on the times like it it shouldn't have taken this long we should have gotten a phase one or phase two black widow movie her character is interesting enough and there's so much backstory that people have tried to put there's in. There's plenty of can't. interesting female characters. Absolutely. It wouldn't even have had to be fe- to buy Black Widow. That Black would have been Widow the easiest one because she was there. Yeah, but, but like She-Hulk and Tigra and... Uh, She-Hulk would be great. Yeah. Uh, but then you have Male Hulk and it's, you know... I don't Hulk, like Hulk, the name whatever. She-Hulk. I, I, I like... Either. But that's what they named her and that's what stuck. And when she took over Hulk, it was really weird and a lot of fans boycotted because they didn't realize that it was going to switch over and... So, you know, it happens. In the end, what I have to say about this film is that there is very little as an MCU film that makes it special. It follows the formula and it follows it well. Um, Ben Mendelsohn is kind of the standout when it comes to the Marvel-esque of it all. it's great to have animal sidekicks. I love it. I would work with animals Especially animal sidekicks that aren't what you think they are. Yeah. But he took a villain that could have been bland like Malekith from Thor the Dark World. And it actually reminded me a lot of that, but much better, yeah. Because mm-hmm. he put some flair to it. He, he had He was great. He was my favorite character love. in the movie, probably. What this movie is, it's remarkable in the sense that it captures the life of the average female. Just like, on a daily basis, I get told to smile. When the situation doesn't really call for it, when I'm not even talking to somebody... Um, Do you I then steal somebody's motorcycle. I would love to go steal their cars. <laughs> like they're in the parking lot, I should just go do it. I mean, usually it's by feeble old men. I can just knock them down and take their car. But like, I I've played on all male soccer teams and was told that I was the worst one and I was never going to do any good. So I overcompensated and beat the shit out of them. And like, I so that's how this movie is special because it's. It was like my entire life and my female experience on camera. So while it's not a an exceptional Marvel movie, it's an exceptional female hero movie. It's one that, like, I don't see that kind of stuff on the screen all the time. People, especially male directors directing females, tend to ignore those things. They want to see us more vulnerable or sexy instead of, you know, just minding our own business and... 
having a good time with our friends. So that that's what this movie was to me. It was a remarkable female film, exceptional showing the female experience, and I I got all teary eyed during that montage at the end, watching her stand up so many times. It was so well done, and because like I've been in that place both literally and figuratively, being against odds. So that that's what made this film special to me. If you like Marvel films, it's definitely one of the better ones. It's, you know, it beats out the worst ones, Iron Man 2 and 3. It beats out uh, Thor The Dark World and Thor 1. Like, it's it it's really good. I put it on par with Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually liked it a lot more than Spider-Man Homecoming. That's great. I, I, would, I would put it a lot higher on the list for me. I, yeah, I think it was comparable to Black Panther. I think it didn't have any CGI flaws like Black Panther did, so that it was more pleasant to watch in certain places. I mean, this movie is, is definitely something that is right down my alley. It's, it's a sci-fi film, which is big. It plays it's a head. Green Lantern film. That's why you oh, like definitely. it. Oh, definitely. Son of a bitch. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, it is. It like... really is. It really, really is. And I mean, even the argument could be made that you know, the, the standing up montage, which is an absolutely fantastic uh, montage, is, is based on willpower. Right, which is the Green Lantern thing, the whole idea of continuing to, to push forward. And it's like Ryan said earlier. we've known for years that the two companies copied off of each other. Sure. So. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, the Rocky thing that Ryan mentioned, mentioned earlier, right? The idea, I mean, there's there's a great quote in the sixth film, Rocky Balboa, about how, you know, it's not hard you get, it's not, it's not uh, how, uh, it's not about um, how hard you can hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Right, like that's the whole point, and so I I relate to that messaging uh, quite a bit. So I I really like that a lot. The special effects were fantastic. Yeah, throughout the whole movie, all of it, not not just the de aging. It all looked really really impressively good. Um, I really liked how she changed the color of her uniform. I don't, that was fun. That bothered me because Why? it's like okay, so the guy comes and sees her different in the different colors, and he's like. How dare you change the colors? Like, it's some big thing. Why did you put the power to change the colors in the arm thing if it's such a big, like, I actually blast thought for me she modified that? it. I thought she said that she modified her wrist. When thing. did she say that? Okay, that, I don't know if she said that or not, I, but it makes perfect sense that the technology is in the suit, though, because they it's camouflage, right? If they were going to be on a planet where it's snowy, they would want to change it to... Is it? They don't show that anywhere in the movie. Do they? I mean, there's no... I mean, what's, what's the They were on a sand it? planet. Why didn't they change the sand camo? Like, I don't think... Because they they were going at night, and they were in black. Or the really dark green or whatever. Okay, well, why didn't they change it to black? Then they're in black. I'm just saying that that seems like a big stretch to me. It makes more sense to me than all these heroes who magically make their own suits. (laughs) I'm not saying that makes any more sense or less sense. I'm saying in this movie, that part was a little weird. It was cool. It was a cool scene, right? But then to make it into a, like, how dare you change your suit colors? Well, you gave me the ability to do that just by going like this. You know, that was the neon suit. I loved the neon I, I, suit. That was very nineties. I think it would have been weird for him not to say anything about her suit looking completely different. Well he should have yeah, he could have said something. He could have right. been like, I like the new colors or something like that, rather than making it like blasphemy that you changed the suit color when the, it's built into the suit. Well, I don't know. I, I, I thought it actually worked really well. I, okay. I thought it made more sense. Agree to that, disagree. Well, I, I thought it made more sense of her making a second suit. Yeah, right. Like no, I, I agree with that. Like, sure. Of all the options that they had at their disposal, that one made the most sense to me. Maybe like when it ignited the pigments or something, turned it that. I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> just spitballing here. I'm not a movie writer. Okay. I don't know. I, I did really love though when they do have their final confrontation. 
you know, he's like, let's do this. No powers. We're just going to fight and see if you can take me down. I love that she just, like, just knocks him, you know, a hundred feet away. Because, like, I was... She says she has nothing to prove to him. That's right. part of the female experience, too. I don't know how many times men have tried to convince me to minimize myself. Whether it was, like, actually telling me something like that. Like, no, you can't use your powers. New street rules. Like, or if it was more subtle and just say, hey, you should, you know, give, let others speak. You know, it was just small stuff like that. So, that was fun. That was fucking fun to watch, man. I, I do, there is something powerful about just watching someone get decked, too. <laughs> it's the Hermione punching Draco. Like, that's just a fun moment, but still. Like, watching him go straight into the cliff. I, and he, he's still alive. Sure. Talos is still alive. Um, the only one we actually lose is Marvell. So, mm-hmm. uh, both of them can come back. I guess Minerva's dead, but, you know. I did have a moment, though, in that scene where, like, I was like, damn it, they're really going to go and do this, and she's going to do it with no powers. That's stupid. And they, the fact that they didn't do that was, I thought, a nice change of pace. Yeah. Because it happens all the time, you know, where, where that type of thing happens. I mean, Rocky Five, that's what Rocky Five is all about, is doing the opposite of what she did. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, uh, I just, I really liked it across the board. I thought it was really good. Um, to Ryan's point earlier, I'm not super thrilled about the way fury loses his eye either i knew that's what they were doing there were too many people guessing it before the movie came out for it to be anything else in my mind and i actually wish they hadn't shown it in this movie i wish it hadn't been a thing and it was a black ops thing where he started going from shield agent to spy Mm -hmm. you know it was somewhere in there instead I mean, it's a funny story. It really is. And I love that he lied to Coulson about it and said that <laughs> it was a Cree. But I wonder if Coulson ever finds out. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not yeah. um, but there were some fun moments. Uh, a couple of things we did not talk about was the Stan Lee tribute at the beginning of the film, the new Marvel Studios intro. And I bet... It's not the new... That's just for the one movie, I think. I don't think that's going to be every movie. But it was, it was a I new... I figured it would it be was all of them for 2019. Uh, maybe. I mean, I, I could know. be wrong. We'll see. I just assumed we'll see it was in a few just weeks, for this guys. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. Uh, I just... I really love that. I actually thought that it was fantastic, and I hope that they release that online as its own HD clip. Sitting there for liked. 30 seconds, already feeling the feels. Like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> it was just really cool. It took me a second to even notice that's what they had done. Um, I just kind of, you know, because it's something we've seen now. They, they started that logo like a year and a half ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so His cameo was good, too. He was rehearsing his uh, Mallrats script. He had a lot of speaking lines in Mallrats, so the fact that he was rehearsing it was really cute. It was. That was really good. Um, post-credit scenes, you know, we've, of course, got the, the flurkin coughing up the Tesseract. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as soon as they just showed his desk and there was nothing happening, like, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> I knew that they were... Well, I had already heard from people that it that the second post-credit scene was, or the, not the mid-credits, the post-credit scene was pretty much worthless and you didn't really need to stay to, stay to see it. I did, but yeah, I mean, it was funny, but... <laughs> right. It was a lot like, uh, you know, Seven and Guardians of the Galaxy 2 or whatever, and only one was relevant to anything. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, at least this yeah, one there was, was a weird one, tree masturbation joke. Yeah, that I have right. no idea why they did, but whatever. Um, the other post-credit scene was a the, scene from Endgame. It yeah, looks like. yeah, it was just like uh, what they did in Civil War, where 
after Ant Man when they said, mm-hmm. "I With I know the arm a guy." Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, his arm. Yeah, so it it looks like it's a scene straight from Endgame. I bet we end up seeing it exactly like that. Fun theory that people are coming up with is since this we know the scrolls are a thing, is this actually Carol or is this a scroll impersonating her? And well, I think it's actually Carol because they really don't have time to address that. <laughs> I had to scroll this into the three hour movie. Yeah, I, I don't Please think no. they have that time, but it, it's fun. Good for you, fan. Another boys fun and girls. Fact. Black Widow had more speaking lines in that one scene than she did in all of Infinity War. That's I'm pretty sure. I don't know if that's an actual fact, <laughs> but it's very close. She only had 12 minutes of screen time, and most of it was not talking. Yeah. It, a lot of it was fighting. So, To be fair, though, when Endgame starts, there are far fewer characters. So <laughs> she'll, True. she'll have a better opportunity to talk this time. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> you piece them all together, she might have a 30-minute episode Whoa. from all of her movies. <laughs> All right, well, our dog is restless and is just going up and down the stairs at this point. Is there anything else we should touch on? Uh, Our letter grades, guys, and then we'll get to our end credits ourselves. All right, Ryan. Um, Probably probably a B minus, B somewhere That's good, that's high for you. Yeah, it's not bad. I didn't not not like the movie, even though it seemed like I was trashing on it a lot. I enjoyed the movie, but I guess I was expecting more Wonder Woman and less, like, generic Marvel movie. I didn't leave, when I left Wonder Woman, I felt like, I actually felt like really inspired, which doesn't happen very often in movies. And I was kind of looking for that in this movie. Maybe that's wrong of me to only expect that from female superhero movies. But at this point, that's what I felt leaving. So um, I don't know. I guess that's what I was expecting more. But it was still a fun 90s flick. You know, it it felt like a felt like a 90s movie with modern day CG um, to me, which which is fine. I I liked that. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. It would definitely be in my upper half of uh marvel movies for sure same here a minus i'm obviously connected with it just a little bit more than some other thing than the white man at your table yeah that's fine i mean i was gonna give it an a because i can't really find anything wrong with it um uh, that's usually how i grade my movies is the the grade goes down as i find problems and i love the story i love the characters i was shockingly surprised by Ben Mendelsohn's role, which was super fun and unexpected. The special effects, I thought, were phenomenal. Um, There were a ton of little references to the future of the MCU that if you didn't know weren't a problem, but if you did know were cool. Um, So this kind of acted like a great jumping on point for people. If you you aren't really familiar with the MCU, this would be an interesting place to start. I think. Okay. So um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so that was, that was kind of my thoughts on it. I really liked it and uh, I'm looking forward to see what happens after Endgame, really. Cause that's kind of going to be phase four, I guess yeah. of the MCU. And uh, I think I'm looking forward to that more than Endgame itself, which is a weird feeling, but um, you know, I know that there's talks about kind of having her be the, her kind of be the lead of, of phase four. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. What, okay. are, we, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we are predicting the fates of the MCU characters after Endgame. What's going to happen to them? All right. Sounds good. Don't forget to join us live and subscribe. We are now on Spotify, so you can catch us there as well. We'll see you guys next time. Hey, friends. This is Cam, one of the hosts of the Gamer Heroes podcast. We really hope you're enjoying the show you're listening to right now. And if you are, please consider becoming a patron of the Heroes Podcast Network at patreon.com slash heroespodcasts. 
Your support would genuinely mean the world to us and would allow us to cover hosting costs for the website, get new equipment and software, and even make it out to different conventions and events to meet you, our loyal listeners. All Patreon tiers will get you access to the Patron Lounge and Slack, which will allow you to chat and interact with your favorite HPN hosts. On behalf of everyone here at HPN, thank you all so much for your continued support. We really couldn't do any of this without you. Screen Heroes is part of the Heroes Podcast Network, hosted by Ray Stewart, Ryan Kucher, and Derek Mayer. Music provided by Flying Killer Robots. Follow Screen Heroes at Screen Heroes Pod on Twitter or at Heroes Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and HeroesPodcast.com. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spreaker, or any number of other podcast apps. If you enjoy the show, consider supporting us through our Patreon or Coffee to help keep the lights on, guys. Patreon.com slash Hero Podcast. Coffee.com slash Heroes Podcast. Catch you next time. <laughs>